This is the Equip Podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church for the work of ministry. Hope it will help you as well. So here's the thing. We started Philippians this morning, and um, if you couldn't tell, I'm kind of excited about this book. It's a really good book, really excited to get going through it. Um, but there were still a few things that we didn't get to go into uh, with some of the areas in financial proverbs. And so I wanted to spend just two more weeks with unpacking a few more things, real practical stuff tonight. Uh, and then next week, the following week, uh, the last Sunday in February, we are doing uh, having a movie night here for uh, the, uh, the movie called Unplanned, and that's the lady who used to work with Planned Parenthood and had this life change and whatnot. That's going to happen here the last Sunday, I think it's February 20-something, one of them Sundays. Uh, and, and so we'll do that the following, uh, the last Sunday of the month. So, so this week and next week on Financial Proverbs, then we'll do that the, the last Sunday of the month. And then starting March, I'm super, super excited because we're going to do a New Testament survey class, okay? Just sort of walk through and understand what the New Testament is. Remember about 18 months ago, we did an Old Testament where we, hey, let's unpack and kind of like if you were taking a, a course on what is the Old Testament about, we're going to do that in the New Testament. The Sunday that you start, uh, your gospel group will start going through the New Testament. So when we start beginning of March, We'll go, start going through the uh, New Testament, so we're going to unpack of how the New Testament's put together uh, and also walk through the timeline. If you remember, I'm sure you did because you're just so smart. You always catch on these things and don't forget them. Uh, but we looked at the Old Testament and came up with 15 key words, and if you can remember those key words, you could tell the big narrative story of the Old Testament. We're going to do that same in the New Testament, so we'll start that in March, which I'm super excited about. Um, but tonight, I want us to go down, and we're going to talk about enjoying your blessings, Okay. Might be a good topic for some of us to, to think through and what they are. Um, and here's the reason why. Christians often feel tension with knowing how to respond to God based on our blessings in light of others' misfortunes. You ever felt that way? Um, you, you hear about what's going on maybe down the road or in somebody else. You see someone that is, uh, if they're asking for money on the side of the road, or if you think about uh, kids on the other side of the world, and you feel somewhat, you struggle because you want to help a lot of people, but also have you ever felt guilty about, goodness gracious, why do I have this stuff? You know, you look at what others don't have and what you do have, and sometimes that can bring a lot of guilt, uh, frustration. And so it's kind of hard sometimes to know exactly how should we respond. Um, the first time I really ever, ever felt this was when I came off of a first time I ever went on a foreign mission trip. And then I came back to the United States. And I can remember, I'll tell you this, when I was in the United States, they, we came back to Denver uh, for a few weeks before we were launched out to our next thing of ministry. I was a college student. And when I came back to the United States and I'm sitting there in the middle of the Denver Mall, I felt nauseous. Just looking at all the consumerism and all the worldliness, I just felt sick on my stomach. And I never felt that way before. But I started thinking about just how much this culture is caught up in what you have and what you need to get next and what you'll go in debt for. And I just remember getting sick. And then if you start going to even, um, the more that I would go, I'd always have this uh, situation that happened. Um, and I call it, for all of our missionary friends that come back off the field, it's what I call reverse culture shock, is when you come back in to that place where you, you live, but you've, you've left a place that might be not as fortunate as we are, and then you come back in. It's a shock to the system. And a lot of times people don't know what to do with the stuff that you have. Uh, and so sometimes I think that we turn it a little bit too far, and instead of saying, thank you, God, for what you've given me, we almost act like as if it's a bad thing, if that makes sense. Um, so if we give credit to God for our blessings, how should we show an adequate attitude of gratitude? Like, what does that look like for us? If we're knowing that God is blessing us and that he's giving us good things, how should we look at that? So here's some unfortunate responses I want us to, to start with tonight. Um, the first, if you think about all the stuff that you have, and obviously there could be stuff that you'd say, okay, well, I got a house, or I got a car, I got clothes, or any kind of gadget, or any kind of blessings you have. Some of you may have some of those baseball cards in the attic that you're hoping one day the market turns around and they're worth something again, right? Uh, there's a lot of people who always have those stories about something that is, is this gift. You have a blessing. But here's some unfortunate responses. The first one is ingratitude. A sense of false guilt regarding blessings does not show gratitude toward God. So if you, if you find yourself almost this sense of a false guilt, and what, you, what I mean by that is it's not that you really are guilty, you just kind of act like you're guilty, you know? You almost feel like that you should be guilty. That's not really showing an adequate thing towards God. So when you, you think about it, if you, if you make yourself, once again, it, it's not that you really don't like your stuff. You actually do like your stuff, but you feel like you need to act like you don't like it and somehow to, to level yourself off. Does that make sense? 
And, and instead of, you feel kind of guilty. And so you're going, what, what should I do? Um, and so a lot of times that doesn't, I think, show gratitude towards God. Second thing is disdain. A refusal to enjoy God's gift can be interpreted as having a disregard for the giver. So if you refuse to enjoy the gifts that God gives you, what can be happening is that it's almost interpreted as having a disregard for the giver. It's almost like you're saying, well, I, I'm not going to enjoy that. I don't care about that. It's not that important to me. Um, that might be interpreted as a, a little um, disrespectful if you think about it. So I want you to think about um, I want you to think about what Christmas gathering was like either this year for you or maybe when you were growing up. You know how gifts go out around the house, and I want you to think about some of the people that you've gathered with. Um, have you ever been in a house where gifts were being given, and as soon as somebody opens up one, they just rush to the next one? You ever been a part of that, right? Okay. You want to say it's kids, but you know it's you too, right? Okay, you just jump to that next gift, ripping and tearing into it. Um, let me ask you this. Have you ever seen somebody open up a gift, and they almost looked like kind of, what is this? You ever had that moment or somebody just has this look on their face, and you're like, I thought that you would like that. Like, how do you use it, right? It's going, please clean your face up. You look ridiculous, right? Um, it can be a weird kind of expression. Um, <clears throat> sometimes you'll see people um, almost just not even show any kind of thankfulness. And, and sometimes I think I, I've seen people that will receive a gift from a family member. It's like, well, I really don't need this. I already have one. Now, what does that say to the giver? It's just disrespectful, Right? And so if you're sitting here going like, and you know, and, and I think about it like, um, I always try that especially um, sometimes when we get to have family gatherings uh, with different people at Christmas time and everybody's, you know, depending upon how your family is, some people they all open at the same time, some people take turns and whatnot. I just try to go out of my way when I open something to go to that person give them a hug and say, thank you so much for giving that. Oh, I was so in need of that. I want to tell you that I was hoping I would do that, but I'm such a cheapskate. Whatever, just say something. You know, I've always wanted to tie with random stuff on it. You know, like that's what I've always wanted and dreamed of, and you did it. You were the one, right? Um, and so, so however it is, like you, you just find a way to be intentional, right? Well, can I just say this, that you may not see the, the blessings that you had today as wrapped gifts from God, but folks, your meals today... Or a gift. Not everybody got it. The heat in this room today, it's a gift. You go without it for a while and you realize how much it is a gift, right? And, and so, but if we go to God, I'm going to bless you with all this stuff. Well, I really don't need it. Really? <laughs> you, you don't need it? You, you're, you're okay, right? It, that, that, I think, can be um, very, very disrespectful. Uh, three is this, avoidance. Failing to acknowledge what God has given does not honor him either. So if you just avoid it, if you just don't ever think about uh, which one or, or something that you would say, you know what, uh, I just fail to acknowledge him. And, and I'll even say this, in prayer, folks, this is something that I can get entrapped to. I mean, how many times have you ever been at a meal and you almost pray the same thing? God, I want to thank you for this food and bless that food to the nourishment of my body and my body for that service and right. Now, that's bad. Now, that's bad. But sometimes, I'm going to be honest with you, sometimes I feel like I need to pray after the meal. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you ever, last time you had just a really, really good meal, right? Miss Faye and Miss Joanne cooking something for you, and it's just really, really good, and you bite into it. And, like, sometimes I just feel like bursting into worship. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just want to go, thank you, God. Like, this is good, right? And sometimes we just go through the motions. Okay, God, just bless the food. Do we really think about that? And, and this sometimes avoidance is not to stop and reflect and to say, God, thank you. Like This is a really, really good gift, and I, I want to thank you for it. Number four is worry. If you constantly worry about what you have or don't have, you are unable to rest in God's blessings. You're so concerned about if you have enough or if you don't have enough or if so-and-so has this or whatnot, and just worry about what you have. Worry about if you're going to lose it. Worry about how long you'll have it. Um, I mean, you know, I'm not going to ask a show of hands, for whoever struggles with worry, right? Because you'd be worried about what we think about you. But um, you know how sometimes there are people in life that just you can't even seem to enjoy the moment? You just worry, oh, no, but something's going to go wrong. Or maybe just, go, just, just embrace it. Just stop for a second. Yeah, it'll go wrong in a few minutes. But right now, it's all right. Just, just stop. And sometimes whatever it is that we have, it's always worried about what's going to happen to it. Next, comparison. Constant comparison of what others have will never allow you to be content in what you have been given. 
If you're always comparing, constant comparison, right? You're looking at what others have. They'll never allow you to be content in what you have been given. If you can always find somebody else who's got something better than you, right? All the time. Um, <laughs> there's that um, interview on Tom Brady a few years into his career. I think he just won the third Super Bowl. I think he had just married his supermodel of a wife, had all these different, making millions of dollars, whatever, to play football, which many of us would play for free, right? And, and he said after he won his third championship and all these MVPs and all these awards, he said, I just look at this and go, is this it? Like, I kind of feel like I reached the pinnacle of my career, and is this it? Like, is this all there is? And, and that's, that says something, y'all. That most people would say, if you could just get that right, you'd have it all. And for some reason, it just wasn't enough. And I know that no matter what we have, as soon as we get it, there's always something a little bit nicer. Somebody's got a little bit better. And so uh, I remember in college, one time I said around one of my mentors, something that happened, I just said, well, that's just not fair. And he said, whenever you say the words, it's not fair, you always have to add these two words to the end of it, to compare. It's not fair to compare. Because whenever you say that, you're comparing yourself to somebody else. What you think you deserve, and they don't. You're comparing every time when you say that, right? So be careful there. Number six is selfishness. If you only concern yourself with how to protect your interest, you will never be able to model generosity. So if you're just concerned about what you can get, what you can keep, and you're protecting your own interest, you will never have that open-handed generosity that we talked about last week, right? You're just going to sort of keep it so concerned, you're going to be worried about this, that God's blessed me with this, but if I let this go, I'm not going to have it anymore. And you're more concerned about your stuff than somebody else's stuff. And so you have to make sure it's just not on your own interest, but you'll be able to model generosity. And then number seven is perspective. If you see your blessings as an end rather than a means, you will never see God for the treasure that he is. So if you think about this, right, if finances, if blessings, if stuff is your end rather than your means, you're always going to be messed up in this area. Your perspective is going to be off. And what I mean by this is the blessings that God gives us is not the end. It's a means to another end. When God blesses us with something, it should be a, mean, a means that we would glorify him. It should be a means to see, is there a way that I can bless somebody else? I've been blessed in order to be a blessing. Let me see if I can do that, right? And so with this, it's so important. that. It, but if you see it as, let me just see how much stuff I can collect in this world, you'll never, ever have enough. You'll always struggle. So if you look at those seven uh, things there, unfortunate responses, ingratitude, disdain, avoidance, worry, comparison, selfishness, or perspective, okay? Um, you probably would even sort of um, look at one of these and say, you know what? Uh, if I had to sort of figure out one that I'm more guilty of, right? Maybe there's one that sort of rises to the top. Some of you might say all of the above. I don't know, right? But uh, a lot of times we can have these unfortunate responses to what we've been given. And so I want us to look at some of these scriptural considerations for a second. Some of these come from Proverbs, and we're going to turn over the page, and we're going to look at some other passages. But this is important for us to know because, quite honestly, I don't think that we probably do a good job of looking where the Bible says, here's a blessing from God, and here's how to enjoy it. This is a gift. And yes, you're right, not everybody gets a gift, but how shall we respond? So Proverbs 10.22 says, The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. So when God's blessing comes in and it makes us rich, it, it makes us prosper, and once again, rich is a subjective term, right? It's a subjective term. If you go on the other side of the world or if you go to the other side of this city, there would be some people who would think what you think is not doing so well, they would see as rich. Always perspective issue, right? Always perspective issue. Um, if you go to some places in the world today, they'll say, why would you ever leave the United States of America? I hear everything's so nice there. And, every, you know what? and they'll just think, you guys have it the best, right? And so, but be careful with it, that we have to look at it and say, the blessing of the Lord, it does make rich. It makes you in a good spot. And I would say this once again, because all of us, right where we are right now, the fact that we have food, clothing, heat, and you got three meals today means that you are richer than most of the world. You are. You're in the top percentage of the world. And I know that probably a lot of us in this room would say, yeah, but I'm not where I should be. I get that. <laughs> but you're not where a lot of others are either. And so the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. It shouldn't be something that's sorrowful. We should look at what God's given us and be thankful for it. Proverbs 14.24 says, The crown of the wise is their wealth, but the folly of fools brings what? Folly. So the crown of the wise is their wealth. So, so you think about that. That sounds 
if we read that passage, you go, that just doesn't sound that very Christian, right? It sounds kind of worldly. <laughs> what is he saying? He says, when someone is wise, they're living wisely. There's like almost like a crown of sorts, not necessarily that you're going to be like king and you get a throne and everybody's going to sit down and, and listen to you, right? But it's saying, hey, here's a, a place of security, and that's an okay thing. It's a blessing. It's kind of like a crown around you. But the folly of fools brings folly. So if you continue to make foolish decisions, guess what? It's going to continue to hurt your financial situation, and you're not going to take care of your own needs, but also you'll be a burden to others instead of being a blessing to others. Proverbs 22.4 says, The reward for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Listen to that. The reward, it doesn't say for diligence or for shrewdness or for hard work. It says the reward of, for humility and fear of the Lord is riches and honor and life. Now, if you think about it, most people you would think of that are considered as rich would not normally be humble people, are they? Kind of aggressive, sort of knock anybody down to get what they need to. But he said, no, 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 people who are humble, they have a fear of the Lord. And that doesn't mean you're terrified of him. That just means you respect what he says, right? You revere him as God. And so with that kind of fear, that means that you operate in a different way. You live life in a different way. So it's a fear of the Lord. It's riches and it's honor and it's life. And so when you are humble... I love the fact that it gives you three things that you'll get, riches, honor, and life. When you're humble, you get honor. Someone who's prideful is demanding honor, right? You need to give me honor. Have you ever been around somebody who's demanding your, your allegiance, right? Okay, it's hard to give. You might have to because they have authority over you, but you're not giving it willfully. He says someone who's humble and has a fear of the Lord, that honor just comes. People want to honor them. Riches come. That means that, that you're, you're able to provide for it. And also life, you can enjoy the things that God has given you. Now, I want you to turn the page over really quick to Ecclesiastes. This is um, chapter 5, verses 18 through 20. Uh, if you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, some people look at it and go, it is just a sad, very depressing book, right? King Solomon, <coughs> who has everything that he absolutely could ever, ever imagine, is telling us this. Everything I have is meaningless. It's meaningless. Now, this is the thing. I'll be honest with you. I always struggle. Uh, Solomon uh, is, is given credit for writing most of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. What I don't know is I'd like to know what order he wrote those books and at what time in his life he wrote the book. Give you an example. He wrote a book called Song of Solomon, which is about how much he loves his wife and cannot, or his, his fiancée and cannot wait to be married to her and how he wants to devote his entire life to, to loving her. I would like to think that was his first wife rather than his 999th wife. You know what I'm talking about? Like you just kind of, I think, I hope, I would imagine, but you're just not exactly sure. Um, you know, in Solomon's life, he started out as the wisest man who ever lived, right? He wrote the book out of 66 books in the Bible. One of them is based on marriage. He wrote that book, and the man had 700 wives and 300 concubines, right? Like, I, I can't even imagine what Valentine's Day felt like for that brother. I mean, like, how much stuff he has to do, right? Now, when you look at that, right, a thousand people, this is something that's so alarming to me. The man who wrote the biblical book on wisdom and marriage later in life couldn't apply it. The man who taught wrote the wisest man about marriage at the end of his life, couldn't even know how to open that book. And this is a reminder for every single one of us, just because you're settled into something today does not mean in 10 years from now you're going to just automatically continue down that path. It's always being careful, right? Uh, you look at the man who said um, he could, you know, that, that God gave me wisdom and God gave him wisdom and he made wise decisions, and then at the end of his life, he's just doing crazy stuff, crazy stuff. Well, the book of Proverbs is... Obviously, it's all these different wise sayings. Song of Solomon, Wisdom and Marriage. And the book of Ecclesiastes, I think, is most likely at some crisis point in his life where he goes, I'm looking around going, I got everything this world could ever, ever offer me. And, I'm, and it's meaningless. I'm miserable. I got more palaces. Guess what? It's not enough. I got more education. Got more books. Started reading. Guess what? Still not smart enough. Got as many women, got as much wine, got as much gardens, you know, stuff, servants, you name it, had as much as this world could give me. And he kept saying, it's, it's worthless, meaningless, striving after the wind. I'm chasing after the wind. And um, <clears throat> when he comes in, though, this is interesting because in the middle of this book, where he gets down, 
uh, he says something very, very interesting. He says, Behold, what I have seen to be good and fitting is to eat and drink and find enjoyment in all the toil with which, with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. Just think about that. What does he say? He says, Guess what? I figured out this. Eat, drink, and what? And be merry, right? That's, that's the phrase that people have taken from this passage. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we what? We die, okay? Just better enjoy a good meal, enjoy some good drink, and enjoy a little bit of happiness, because guess what? We all going to die. It's over with anyway, right? Now, this is not the most encouraging passage, but what is he saying? It's good and fitting to, to look at this. He says, find enjoyment, find merriment, and all the toil with which one toils under the sun the few days of his life that God has given him, for this is his lot. I do think that in this passage, it teaches us something very important to, to latch on to. Even as New Testament believers, when you sit down at a meal that God has blessed you with, and to somehow look at it like it's not a gift, I, just, I do not think it honors him. I think you can somehow go, well, I really don't need this, and you know, other people could have this, and blah, blah, blah. I think you've got to keep, there's a tension there, right? In some ways, if it's all about what you get, that's dangerous. But if it's also like you never say, thank you, God, for what you've given me, that's also dangerous. He says, if you're not enjoying the, the toil, so you work hard and you get a paycheck, and all of a sudden you say, you know what, I'm going to eat a nice meal tonight. He goes, all right, you get to enjoy that, the few days of this life that God's given you. <laughs> you better enjoy it, right? Now, at this end, do you think he's saying that's the whole purpose of life? No. In fact, at the end of this book, Chapter 12, verse 13 and 14, he says, well, I got to the end of it, and here's what I figured out. The end of all for us is this. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's all there is. Fear God and keep his commandments. But I think along the way, he's saying, you know what? It's not a bad thing. When you stop and you have a good meal, you have something good to drink, you enjoy something in this life, to stop and say, thank you, God. This is a good gift. It's not a bad thing. Um, it can become a bad thing if it's your only thing, Right? Just about what you can get, but just enjoying something is not necessarily a bad thing. Look at the next verse. He says, Everyone also to whom God has given wealth and possessions and power to enjoy them and to accept his lot and rejoice in his toil, this is the what? Gift of God. To be able to say <coughs> that you worked hard, you collected a paycheck, and you want to enjoy something in this life, that's not an evil thing. Now, in excess, can it be evil? Absolutely. Sure can. But sometimes is it good just to bless someone in your family or bless someone else and say, we're, we're going to enjoy this together? I think absolutely it is to be able to say, you know what? Um, God has given us wealth and possessions and power not to be miserable with them, but to enjoy them, to, to find joy in it, to, to celebrate that. And so that's why I'm kind of joking when I say this, but I really do mean it, that sometimes I just I just think through like, how even through a good meal or, or things that we enjoy, you go on a vacation or you see a sunrise, just to stop and say, thank you, God, right? And it's not right to, for you to open up the gift and go, well, I really don't need this, God. I'd be fine without it. He's like, okay, I'll take it from you then, right? Okay, like, no, to, to stop and say thank you. Uh, I can remember um, one of the funniest things, uh, when Eli was real young, what he would do a lot of times, he'd pray. I'm going to pick on you for a second. This is a good one. You may remember this. But when Eli was real young, he would always pray with his eyes open at the meal and he would pray for everything on the table. Like, I remember one time we were at Chick-fil-A. He goes, God, I want to thank you for those chicken nuggets and the ketchup that's really good and that Chick-fil-A sauce and the Sprite. And it just goes on every single thing on the table, right? And can I just say, that's a little bit for somebody who really, really loves to eat and will probably eat any of you under the table, okay? Could I eat anybody here today? Um, that's honestly probably a little bit more honest of a prayer than God, thank you for this food and, letting her, you know, just going through the road, right? That Chick-fil-A sauce is awesome. God, whoever came up with it, this is a good idea, right? And, and so you, you stop and you say, I want to thank you for it. Why? Because you've given me wealth, possessions, and power to enjoy some of these things. Don't do it in, a, in an excess, but sometimes it's okay to say, God, thank you that you allow me to work, and thank you that you give me a paycheck, and I want to I enjoy some of these things and, and just be able to stop and say thank you for it. Um, he says this, for he will not much remember the days of his life because God keeps him occupied with joy in his heart. And some of this, he's saying, look, you got to be careful that you don't go too far on that line, right? Where that's all you're thinking about. But ultimately, he's saying there are certain things in life that I think that you need to enjoy. If you look at 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse 16, 
O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name comes from your hand and is all your own. As these people are gathering stuff to work on the temple and all these different things, it says, out of all this abundance. Abundance. And I will say this, there have been times in my life where, just like the Apostle Paul says at the end of Philippians, I have known what it's like to be in abundance, and I also know what it's like to be in need. Anybody ever been there? I know the secret of being filled and going hungry. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, he says, right? He says, look, this abundance that we have provided for building you a house for your holy name, I love it. We've provided the abundance, but if you look at the end of the verse, who actually provided the abundance? God did. Lord, we have provided this abundance for the house. We actually got too much resources than what we know to do with, and yet, how do we have that? Because you gave it to us. You gave it to us. There was a few, um, I think it was sometime last year, but I was um, mentioning in one of the sermons about um, how that, you know, the, the moment um, where Moses had to tell the Israelites to stop giving to the work of the tabernacle. Do you remember that? People were just giving stuff, and they actually had too much. And I just remember I started saying, I would love, as a spiritual leader one day, where I have to look at you people and say, stop giving. <laughs> Y'all are way too generous. We got too much. And, you know, I was just saying that, like, wouldn't that be a great place to have? And as only a, a retired pastor could do, Gene Lloyd is in the back and just goes, yeah, like this, like really, really loud. You know, he just sort of shouts at the back. And I was like, all right, Gene, way to go. Um, but there's the truth there, right? But I love this thought that whenever we have an abundance, and yes, we have an abundance, um, I'll say this. If we have an abundance, how do we get it? It's because you've given us that abundance. You've given us plenty. Um, there is so much that, God, you have blessed us with, and, and so we want to thank you for it and to know that it comes from your hand and is all your own. Even when it's in my hand, guess what? Still his. Still his. Uh, I never want to forget that. Psalm 145, 7. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. Think about that. Abundant goodness. When I think about the goodness of God, I think about his salvation. Think about the life that he's given me. But I also think about the blessings that he's given me. I can say, has he been abundant in my life? Absolutely, yes. So many things. And so as I sing and pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, I, I sing aloud of your righteousness, that I think he has been way better to me than what I've deserved. He's been way better to me than what I've been to him, right? But I want to say, God, I'm always, always aware. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11. You will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. So you'll be enriched in every possible way. Why? So that you can keep it in every way? No. So you be generous, right? I've been blessed in order to be a blessing, right? And through that, we'll produce thanksgiving to God. So when we are a channel of God's generosity, God gives us an abundance, and then we go, God, I don't need all this stuff. Like, how can I bless someone else? There's this opportunity that we say, okay, well, through us, we'll produce thanksgiving to God. It causes us to be thankful to what God has. Um, it's one of those things that every so often our kids will go through, uh, their playroom and say, do I need all these toys? If I haven't played with it in a while, is this something I need to keep on to? And I think most of you know this. Sometimes the stuff that we take for granted could be somebody else's treasure, right? Could be. I really don't need this, you know, whatever. And somebody else is like, oh, I've, I've really wanted one of those, right? I've, I've always needed one of those things. And so when you think through, it's one of the best things. Um, our, uh, we take uh, different ages of our kids down to the um, project host, the soup kitchen down uh, downtown, and what's interesting, <coughs> I had a mom come up and tell me that recently her uh, middle school son went to the soup kitchen, and she said it was so, so beneficial, <laughs> because I think that sometimes my son is complaining about all the stuff he feels like he doesn't have, and then you walk into that thing, and it just reminds you, wow, I, I'm blessed. I, I'm, I'm super blessed, and it's one of the things that can help someone. What does it do? It produces thanksgiving to God. When you go, I've been enriched in every possible way, why? So that I can be generous in every way. And then we look down to 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17 and 19. It says, As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God who richly provides us with everything to what? Enjoy. So for those who would say, well, it sounds like a lot of those passages come from the Old Testament. Here is Paul speaking to his son of the faith, Timothy, we talked about, right, saying, Hey, for rich people, which I would say all of us in this room, we are at some level, right? On comparison, we're all rich. 
we're given these riches, he provides everything for us to enjoy. It's something that, that enjoys, right? So, so last, um, last Sunday night, uh, whether you watched the game or not, whether you got a bunch of calories or not, whatever, you know, there's probably a level of how many calories you can get at a Super Bowl party, right, which is okay, and then it's like this is crossed the line. But, but wherever you were in that, right, like I just remember uh, just eating some of the food that some of you gentlemen cooked, and I was just like, this is good. This is a good enjoyment. Like you just go, thank you, God. Like This is a blessing. He goes, but... So if you are blessed in those things, whether it's riches or houses or cars or hot wings or whatever it is, right? Here's the thing. As for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty. And when you think about a haughty person, don't say a name, right? But when you think about a haughty person, you think about someone who knows they're puffed up, right? That they deserve certain things and that they're above everybody else. He says, if you're blessed, don't get that way. Don't also set the hopes on the uncertainty of riches. Why? Because if you set your hope in them, guess what happens? They'll get taken away, don't they? Taken away. What you thought was, was guaranteed and it could not be taken away from you can be taken away so quickly. But put your hope, if not on the uncertainty of riches, but you put it where? On God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. And so for some of you to be able to stop and to say, you know what, this is a good, good gift. Some of the moments where I feel like, and this is going to sound really, really funny to you, but some of my sweetest moments of worship are on a summer evening after I have grilled outside on the back porch, the sun's going down, and I watch my kids just love what I cooked. It's one of the sweetest moments of worship where I just sit here and go, thank you, God, that I, did, I get to do this. this is, you know, and they're sitting here. They are so deceived. They're like, this is the best food we've ever had. I'm like, I know it is. It really is. Right? And they think that, and they'll just eat it, and, and Amanda's like, oh, good, we'll have some for you know, leftovers tomorrow. There ain't no leftovers. Not when Daddy grills. It's gone, okay? It is just gone. And we're sitting there, and, and, and folks, y'all know what, that's, what it's like at, on, a, on a summer evening and just the smell of whatever's going through. It's just, and you, you just watch it just going, this is a good gift. It's a really good gift. Whether it's a burger or whatever it is, it's just this is a good gift. And so we're not trusting on those things, but when they come, what should it cause us to do? Thank God. Just stop and say, this is good, and this is precious, and, and, and be able to say, God, this is a good gift, and I know, I know that I don't have to have it. I know it could be taken away from me tomorrow. I know that a lot of people aren't enjoying this, but I'm not going to look at this as this is somehow evil. I'm going to say, thank you, God, and then to say, how can we use what God's blessed us to help someone else out? How can we, we take what we've been given to bless someone else? He goes on to say, they are to do good, to be rich in good what? Good works. To be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. That's a good word there, right? So to stop and say, so if you're rich and you're to do good, you need to be rich in one thing, good works, <laughs> Find a way that if you've been blessed, to, to take that and to bless other people. Be ready to what? Share. We learned this in elementary school. We forgot it somewhere along the way, right? But when you've been given something, is there someone else that I, I can bless this with? Is there somebody else? Is there, as you're out there cooking, is there a neighbor that you can go and deliver it to? Is there someone that you know that's going through a hard time that you can say, let me help this person out? Be ready to share. And when you do that, you're storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future so that they may take hold of that which is truly what? Life. That's a beautiful line. This is what life's really about. Not hoarding as much as you possibly can take, but using what God has blessed you with and say, how can I bless other people? That's truly life. Because what did Jesus do? Philippians 2 tells us, he did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself become obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He left the thrones of heaven to come down into our mess. You talk about a demotion, right? Why? So that we could be, show true life. And so whenever you say, I'm going to take what I've been given, and I don't have the riches of heaven, but folks, at some level, each of us have the riches of earth, and how are we taking what we've got and to give it to someone else? And so here's some helpful principles I want you to think through if you consider how, how is a way that you possibly can honestly enjoy things that God has given you. I would encourage you to have a grateful perspective. The best way to honor a good giver is by being a good recipient. The best way to honor a good giver is by being a good recipient. 
All right? I want you to think through for a second. If you um, sacrifice something great to give somebody you love a special gift this Christmas, how would you like them to respond? Okay? So you, you, you really you dug in and you thought really long and hard and it cost you something to give this and they unwrap it. What do you want them, what do you want to see in their face? You want to see excitement? Yeah? Okay, what else would you want to see or hear? Thank you. That's a good one. What else? Yes, sir. <laughs> That's right. I, looky here, Dad. This is what I've always wanted, right? Absolutely. What else would you want? Yeah. Thankfulness in their face. Yeah. Yeah. I want them to believe so much so, yeah, so that you see it in their, their face. I would want them to be so amazed at what they got, they're not even thinking about the next thing. You know what I'm saying? Oh, there's another gift? Oh, I can't even, I can't even focus on that because this is so great. I want to stop and just say thank you. This is what I've always wanted right here, right? Like I, I, and, and just, I, I'm telling you, like if we could just turn the focus a little bit, the next mealtime you give, like really get after it. Really think about it. This wasn't promised. And you know what? Not everybody's going to get it tomorrow. And I don't know why that is. I'm like, I, often I feel like King, King David, where at one point he sat down and he, somewhere and he goes, I don't know why you have taken me from where I am to this place, God. I don't, I don't get it. Out of all the places that I could have been that you have esteemed me to this place, I do not understand why you have just honestly benefited my house so much. I'm in awe. There's many days that I feel that way. I say, God, why, why have you been so good to me? And and I don't know why. I, I don't, folks. If, if you, none of us here had a, a decision about the city or the place that you were born in. You realize that? You you didn't make a decision about the time that you were born in, the culture that you were born in, family. You just you showed up one day, right? You didn't ask to show up. You just showed up, and and we all got to this place, right? That no matter how destitute of a situation that you you were born into. Folks, right now, just the fact of looking around this room, we are blessed. Maybe we're not as blessed as what we used to be, what we think we ought to be. We are blessed. And, and, and so I think when God gives us a, a gift of a good meal or, you know, or a good night of sleep even, right? You ever had one of those recently? You know, like a good night and just you wake up and you go, that was really, really nice. You know, I feel refreshed, God. A brand new day. Are we all promised tomorrow? No. You wake up and you go, this is a gift, God, and I, I want to be a good recipient, so I want to have that type of face. And uh, God, this is a good gift. This is something precious. This is something wonderful. Thank you for this. I, I think also, I mean, it's important for, for, for anybody <coughs> and here's married to do what Proverbs also says, that uh, an excellent wife who can find her worth is far above jewels. She's, she's more valuable than all types of jewelry in the world to say, I mean, I, I'll be honest there. Sometimes I'll look at my wife and I go, goodness gracious, thank you, Lord. Like, why? Why did she never wise up that she could do so much better than me? Right? Like, why did that never happen? And, and what am I, do I tell her that? No, I keep that to myself, right? I just keep it to myself. Y'all know it. We all know it, right? But I go, this is, this is a good gift. In fact, Proverbs, uh, I don't know the reference, but he says this. He says that wisdom is an, or, and our treasures are inherited by your father, but a good wife is a gift from the Lord. That's a beautiful. Just, that's a good, good gift, right? So if you haven't shown appreciation to your spouse, by the way, it's Valentine's Day coming up. Fair warning for everybody. But every day is a good day to say, you are a gift. You are a gift to me. So in any kind of way that you can also say this, thank you, God, for that gift. Thank you, God, for a spouse. Thank you, God, for a um, place to live, for another meal that I don't have to walk up and down the road right now, that I had somebody drove me here tonight, however that is. Uh, second thing is this, be an eager blesser. It is an appropriate thing to bless our families in appropriate ways. One way that you can be a helpful principle of when you enjoy your blessings, and if you are able to get to a place where you're able to say you can take care of your needs, it's an appropriate thing to bless our families in appropriate ways. Can I ask you a question? I wrote that in a specific way. Is there a way that you can bless your family in inappropriate ways or unhelpful ways? Yep. There's some people, right, that I just don't trust certain things with, right? 
If I look at Gloria right now, who's seven years old, and she says, Daddy, can I drive? My answer would be yes, when you're old enough, right? But right now, to allow her to drive is actually a detriment to her life and everybody else's in the county, right? Okay, it would be dangerous for everybody else. And so when I tell her no, I'm not necessarily saying no forever. I'm saying no for right now because you're not ready to handle this responsibility yet, right? So when you bless your family, there's certain ways that you bless them at appropriate times, at appropriate ways. And it's a good thing to bless our families in appropriate ways. It's a good thing if you're at a place to say, you know what? I want to bless my family. I want to do something really nice for them. We want to go on and surprise them with something real fancy or, or whatever it is for, for, for our folks. The best surprises they ever do would take them on a surprise vacation, right? Hey, just get in the car. Let's go on an adventure, right? And I had everything planned and already had the suitcases packed. And it was such a, a blessing to do. That, that's a good thing to do in an appropriate way. If you do it in an inappropriate or unhelpful way, you might be enabling someone never to grow up and do things on their own. Careful line. Careful, careful line you have to be super, super careful of. Number three is a generous giver. Greater wealth can be used for a further blessing if you remain generous to worthwhile causes. I think um, that once again, the more that God blesses you, that you can say, okay, how can I even further bless other people? And you can remain generous to worthwhile causes. Um, there's a lot of different people who will say, hey, you can give to this organization or do that and whatnot, uh, and that's a wonderful thing. Um, probably your inbox and your messages uh, in the month of December, everybody's calling and saying, would you like to make an in-year gift to us, right? You know, it'd be good for your taxes and whatnot. Thank you so much. You, you haven't thought about me all year. Um, but they, at this point, everybody's calling you, right? Everybody's writing you a letter. And there's a lot of good things that you can be generous to, but I would just always encourage everybody are you considering how, is it not only a good thing, is it the best thing, right? Are you saying that? And with this, when you, the more uh, that God blesses us, it is, allows you to be a further blessing if you remain generous to worthwhile causes. Um, we had an opportunity recently um, with, uh, we were joking around, but <coughs> other week, Obadiah's um, uh, feet or said his shoes were hurting him and whatnot. And I said, well, his shoes are fine. You haven't had them that long. And he's like, they're just hurting me, Dad. And so, I, and so we were going to go get some other ones. And anyway, I said, well, why don't you just try mine on for a second? The boy's 11 years old. I wear an 11, and they fit him, okay? Okay, now I think, are you in a 10 and a half officially now? Or 11 wide. 11 wide, okay. So his, okay. So uh, just, just in case you're wondering, right? Um, and so, yeah, thank you very much for that. So uh, we're sitting there, but, but you know, for, for these kids, I feel like we're getting shoes every other month. They're just, you know, like I'm seeing their toes out the front going, is that right? Is that normal, right? And going, okay, maybe we need to get new shoes. We have some grandparents who love to get these kids shoes. They just love it. They'll look at me and go, you need new shoes? Sometimes my kids are like, no, I don't need any more shoes, granddad. Like, just be a layoff a little bit. And they're just like, well, I'm going to get you some anyway. Well, then we, we came into contact with somebody who's a friend of the family that we um, – we went somewhere, and, and Amanda's a lot more, um, she just catches things a little bit uh, better than I do, but the, the soles of these person's shoes were just wore out. We were walking a long way. This person went complaining or something, and, and she sort of asked something, and she's like, oh, these are, these are fine. I don't worry about that, blah, blah, blah. And got to the place where she says, Trav, can we, can we get this person some shoes? And I said, well, well and, and then her, you know her perspective was? And even she said, I know that we can. But goodness gracious, all the shoes we probably should have bought through the years for these kids, our, our parents have bought for them. So you just think about how we've been blessed, right? We've been blessed with a lot of tennis shoes, so therefore we can be a blessing with tennis shoes, right, to somebody else. But there's a perspective there, right? You've been given something, and then all of a sudden you sometimes go, is this an opportunity for, for me to bless someone else? Just because God's given you something doesn't mean that you have to keep on to it just for yourself. Maybe you've been given it so you can help someone else out. And once again, I'm thankful that I'm married to a wife who, who looks and, and sees those opportunities. Um, four, uh, a helpful principle is be a restful renewer. Taking time to pause your pace and enjoy your blessings allows you to continue a diligent life. This is something I know if, if some of y'all have been around me for a while that I like to talk about a lot, but I think it's important that you keep a Sabbath day rest. And every so often to be able to just stop and enjoy things that God has given you. God created for six days, and on the seventh day, he did what? He rested. He got in a hammock. That's what I always think he created on the seventh day, right? A good old hammock. And, but no, did God need to rest? Nope, he wasn't tired. Uh, he wasn't tired at all. Why did he rest? To be an example for us. Then the pattern that was set up in the Old Testament, and I think is, is very congruent with how we should live today, 
work really hard for about six days a week and take one day off just to rest. So, uh huh. To run the lawnmower, that's right, I know. So some of you, like, you've grown up at different time, have different perspectives, right? If the lawnmower cranks up at the neighbor's house on Sunday, you're like, uh-oh. You know, this is not good, right? Um, and so really, I think it comes down to, and, and for so many of us, for me, um, I'm not resting on a Sunday, you know? This is the only day that most people think preachers work anyway, right? Okay, this is the only day of the week that I do anything. And so Sunday's not a day of rest for me, it's not. Um, you know, normally Sunday through Friday, I'm, I start early in the morning and I keep going till late at night. That's how I do it. And on Saturday, I try to rest. Just try to rest. Um, take a little bit, just, you know, take a nap, you know, slow down for the meal, go on bike rides, do something that's just a little bit, just, just reflect. And I've created for six days. Now I just want to enjoy the creation, right? Just enjoy what, I, what I've been able to do. And so I think that's a good thing. And so when you're able to helpful principle, I think this helps you to stop sometimes of always being so busy, always being so productive, always saying it's all on me to stop and say, God's provided. This is good. Let me stop and slow down and, and read my Bible and pray a little bit longer maybe. Just stop and reflect, enjoy some things, and to pause your pace, enjoy your blessings. It allows you to continue a diligent life. I think why some people are so worn out is because they never take time to rest. I think some people are just, they're not working hard enough on the six days, right? And some people just aren't giving enough. But I think if you really just say, I'm going to contribute and work hard and do the best, I think you can stop and just enjoy these things. And sometimes I just have to take an intentional pause to stop and say, I have to slow myself down to stop and look and say, look how good God has been, how much he's provided, how much he's helped me. And the last one here is an all-inspired disposition. Never overlook God's involvement in the enjoyments of this world and the next. I think, as we've mentioned in a few different ways tonight, <clears throat> that probably what honors God when he blesses us is that, that face, right? <gasps> oh, that's incredible. Wow, thank you for that, God. That's so undeserving. I shouldn't have that. You know everything about me, and you still allow me to have these things? Like, it's all inspired. It's a disposition. It's just who you are, just amazed at what God is doing. Don't overlook God's involvement in the enjoyments of this world. So when you are able to enjoy something maybe simple or something even that's routine day after day, like if you ever and just said, you know, let me just stop and thank you for it, for whatever these enjoyments are. I mean, I, I just even, I hadn't even said this one, but when was the last time you thanked God for hot water? I mean, if you've ever, ever had to cook or take a shower and you didn't have access to that, can I just tell you, you'd thank God for the hot water, right? I remember the first time I was in, a, when I was in Guatemala one time, we walked in this little hotel area, and they were showing us how to use the shower, and the, uh, the, the sh shower had this, like, electric, like, some kind of unit on top of the shower head, and there were all these cords running into it, electrical cords. I thought, that's unique. And I said, well, what is this? And they said, well, that's the widow maker. And I said, why do they call it a widow maker? They goes, because it makes widows. I was like, oh, okay. And they're like, just don't touch it when you're in the water, okay? Like so, and a Guatemalan shower is about this. So I'm having to go down to like this, you know, to kind of rinse and whatnot. And don't touch it because there's electricity running to make it heated, right? And you're standing in a puddle of water. And so you're just really, really careful, right? But in that, can I just tell you, in that country, everybody thought that that was living the dream. That was just such a blessing. Oh, man, wouldn't it be nice to have one of those? I'm like, yeah. And then, you know, and just, and you have to be so, so careful. But can I just say that, like, when was the last time that you ever thought, thank you, God, for hot water? Thank you, God, for covers on my bed. Like, thank you that, you know, when, when I, my, I run out of shoes or my, got, my soles are worn out, like, I've, I've been able to get another pair. Like, thank you, God. It is a blessing. So you can enjoy those things, but you always keep them in perspective of it. But also know this the next. I will say this, so to enjoy the, about what's happening and uh, when we die and we go to be in heaven, I love the fact that we're going to a place where the streets are paved with gold. That's what we pave the driveways with, right? That's, that's just how uh, incredible it is that the stuff that we treasure so much on this earth is what we would pave the driveways with down there. And so I will say this, and all the things that you're enjoying, if you were trying to make sure that your house is absolutely perfect and pristine and everything is beautiful and wonderful and, and that it's just absolutely perfect, guess what you're trying to do? Find heaven on earth. If 
you're trying to have the best meal and the best bank accounts and everything so perfect and pristine and just so amazing. You're trying to have heaven on earth. You don't need to try to somehow make the treasures of this life somehow compete with what we're going to have in heaven. They can't. They can't. So you thank God for them, but you know they're temporal. The most important stuff that you'll ever, ever buy or purchase in this life, guess what? The most stuff that is highest value, rust and moth will destroy it one day. That's perspective. And so while it's there, you thank God for it. And whatever you own, do not let it own you. Whatever you own, do not let it own you. Whatever someone else owns, don't let it own you. And so this question here at the very end is, for what blessings do you need to thank God, and how should you enjoy them? If you think through today, what are some things that you would say, you know what, these are some blessings? I would encourage you, even if you need to tonight, write them down right there. Take a few moments and write them out and say, God, I want to thank you for this. I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for this. Some of I mean, thank God for Tylenol, right? <laughs> thank God for coffee, anybody? Okay, okay. You I mean, thank, thank God for those types of things that you give us just to say, these are good blessings, God. And instead of me just being ungrateful, right? Jumping to the next thing, sometimes stopping and saying, God, we want to thank you. And so, Father, tonight we do want to say this. You are a good father who every blessing, every good thing given, and everything on earth that is perfect and good gifts comes from above, comes from, from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. God, you give good things, and um, I realize this. I am not deserving of them. I don't deserve the many blessings that you've given me. Um, and I know this, that I don't have to rely on them. Some of the things that I've enjoyed today they're not needs met. They were just wants given. They were excess of what I need. Um, God, I, 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 I think about those things, and I don't know, <coughs> I don't know why you've given them to me, uh, but I know this, that I don't want to uh, disregard them, to overlook them. Um, I want to stop it in those moments, honestly give you thanks. I want to thank you for um, life. I want to thank you for uh, health care. I want to thank you for medicine to help out with my cough right now. I want to thank you for water that's filtered. I want to thank you for plumbing in my house. I want to thank you for heat that worked last night. I want to thank you for a roof that kept the rain out this week. Um, I want to thank you for a car that I was able to get um, here and back. I want to thank you for a church that just uh, loves me and my family so well. Um, I want to thank you for uh, the opportunities that we have to, to bless other people. I want to thank you for having breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and even just snacks in between, God. You just, you've given us way more than what we need, way more than what we deserve. And I don't always know why, but I do want to say thank you for it. Um, and I don't want you to give me something where I disregard or just rush on to the next thing. So God, help us live in this tension where we can stop and thank you for what you've given, all good and perfect gifts. And we can also look at what's in our hands and consider how we need to bless others as well with good gifts. So God, help us be people who are thankful um, and enjoy the things that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.